0: You are listening to FPEA Connects, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to FPEA Connects. Today's host is Suzanne Nunn. Suzanne is an active homeschool mom serving homeschool families in both her local community and across the state. She also serves as chairman of FPEA, Florida's statewide homeschooling association. FPA serves thousands of homeschool families in Florida, delivering a wealth of support, guidance, and information to both new and longtime home educators. Please join us as we seek to encourage you in your homeschool journey and help you stay connected to all things homeschooling in the Sunshine State.
1: Welcome to episode number 60 of FPEA Connects. I'm Suzanne and I am so glad you've joined us today. Sharon and I are here, and we are excited to share some time with you. Uh, we have a fun topic for the podcast, but first, let me ask, how's it going, Sharon? It's going good. Been busy working on some stuff we're
0: doing that we're excited about, the new history bundle.
1: The new history bundle? The new history
0: bundle. Funny How about you?
1: you should mention right? that. Right, right. Yeah, we're how's be, it going with you? Oh, it's it's great, but um, yeah, we've been busy working. Yeah, but that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Um, I want to talk about. I know we we did a whole podcast. If you're interested in going back and listening to it, on um the Florida history adventure bundles, uh huh, and what we're going to be doing with those, I think it was uh was it episode maybe three number, or four podcasts yeah, back? Yeah, so maybe episode number fifty six ish. I'm thinking, but anyway, yeah. um, we did that and. Um, you know, the purpose in it, I think when we started thinking about doing it was to provide an easily accessible Florida history curriculum to our members. And, you know, because it, it is not all in one place very easy for us to access. So we wanted to make it accessible, and we decided what we would do is pull together some good tidbits of Um, our rich Florida history Uh along with some resources that we could connect our members with um, and make it easy for them in the bundle format so that it would be something that, you know, they could engage with um, without a lot of time spent on their own doing the backup work. As
0: both of us being history majors, we're both really excited about this. We love it.
1: And we're both... This idea. Well, we both love Florida. Yeah. We're Floridians. We are. And we love Florida. And we love history. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is an exciting thing for us. And um, I think, too, that our bundles are going to really kind of embrace some of our wild Florida uh-huh. history. Yep. And, you know, wild Florida is is a real interesting history. And I think sometimes Florida is just kind of uh, brushed off as all the tourist trap that people see um, now. But so much of it is just so rich and we still have access to so much of yeah. the things that really we there. were old Florida, wild Florida, you yeah. know. So I thought it would be fun and uh, useful for some of those people who are listening to um, do a podcast about the wild Florida that we are enjoying writing about and mm-hmm. that our Florida history adventures are mm-hmm. covering. So we're going to do kind of a wild Florida spotlight. Uh-huh. And uh, today, I want to do a Wild Florida Spotlight on Clewiston, Florida. Mm -hmm. So, Clewiston is um, a small town uh, on Lake Okeechobee, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but it has a rich history, uh, not just Clewiston itself, but right around Clewiston, and so you're going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage here today, (laughs) (laughs) because I actually lived in Clewiston when I was younger for about five years, and um, so I kind of have a little bit more of a personal attachment to it, but sure. it is a great, um, history behind it. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So, you know, if you're looking at our, um, October bundle,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you're going to find that we've covered Seminoles and sugar, sugar cane. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, Clewiston um, is kind of highlighted in that because Cluiston has quite a close connection to the Seminole Indians in Florida and to the sugar industry in Florida. Right. So, um, you know, kind of going back a little bit, it's so hard to pick up on some of these histories when we're writing sometimes and feel like you're covering it all because there's so much. Yeah. Uh, so, we're just going to hit some of the highlights, but... But that opens the door. I just want to, you know, remind everyone that's listening. If you're using the bundles, it's just Mm -hmm. a gateway for you to dive deeper into it if you're interested in it and find other resources that we've connected you with.
0: So tell us how Cluiston made it on the map.
1: (laughs) Well, how did it make it on the map? That's a good question. Um, You know, there was a lot of pioneer pioneering days going on in Florida Uh and I think that you know as Florida was settled and um, under different territorial control for years you know in the late 1800s um, after it finally gained statehood and um, people were starting to try to really settle there there was a lot of concern about um, what to do about all of the Native Americans Mm -hmm. that lived in the state and there had been scuffles and um, you know, wars and battles between right. all of those different peoples mm-hmm. that were trying to come into their territory and right. and do something with it. Uh, but there were Indians who also started to come into Florida from Georgia and Alabama and other states mm-hmm. as you know the nation was growing and they were beginning to kind of be pressured into moving out and. Um, So, you know, in history, you'll be familiar with, of course, some of the Indian removal that happened with the Trail of Tears. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, what was happening in Florida is they were trying to convince the Indians to relocate and move to um, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're going to see that create some um, of the Seminole Wars that are popular in our Florida history to talk about and that we cover in our bundle. Um, But with the Seminole Wars you know um it was not just about what was happening with with people moving in a part of the problem that the Seminoles faced <clears throat> was the way that the you know people were trying to develop the land mm-hmm. so you know you have to remember south florida is like a big Pretty river wet, of grass right yeah and and it has that that name yeah river of grass and the Indians who lived there were accustomed to that ecosystem mm-hmm. and surviving in it. That was where their home was. But the further south that they got pushed, the more they were running into the Everglades, essentially. Right. Um, so having to do that. And, you know, in the, even by the early 1900s, um, the Department of Agriculture mm-hmm. and the um, Army Corps of Engineers mm-hmm. were working in Florida to try to um, change the landscape, building canals, oh, doing yeah. things to try to um, work that out so that it could be utilized for agriculture
0: mm-hmm. and
1: for, for, you know, growing some product. Um, so way even back then, even 30 years before Clewiston was, you know, really a, a place to call the sugar industry, um, they were trying to tell somebody here is an area that's got great soil, fertile, for land, right? fertile land for growing sugar cane, you know? Right. So there was a lot of um, shifting and adjustment for the Seminole Indians, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of uh, shift and adjustment in the landscape, and nobody was really buying into it. But, um, right. So Cluison ended up on the map, though, mainly because of, of this. There was a product that was being uh, produced in Louisiana. Um, from the sugarcane plant and it was fiber after the sugarcane was macerated and all the mm-hmm. sugar was removed the fiber was being utilized to create insulation board oh, wow. so yeah so it's a really interesting kind of story and you know up until that time most of the sugarcane That they were having access to was in Louisiana, Mm -hmm. and that sugar Mm -hmm. cane um, actually started to become diseased, and they overgrew the area, so it wasn't growing good sugar cane, and they were running into a lot of problems
0: producing like they used to.
1: Yeah, the demand
0: was higher, I imagine, than what they were outputting.
1: Yeah, and you know, and so, and we just had come out of World War Mm One, right? And so the country was realizing while we've got. You know, less than 1% of the sugar that the United States was consuming was being produced within its borders. And so with wow. the war, there had been embargoes and rationing of those right. commodities. So there there was even that kind of feeling of we've got to do something about producing this mm-hmm. sugar for ourselves. And so all of that together, um, you know, the concerns in Louisiana and the realization that we need more sugar cane so we can have that fiber um, caught the attention of, you know, uh, one man, and he decided that he was going to um, look at the Everglades uh-huh. and look at that area, which the Department of Agriculture had said this will be, you know,
0: Opportun, uh, it'll
1: be an opportunity. Yes. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so as that started to happen... We um, saw that there were, you know, actual tests being done on the sugar mm-hmm. and the kind of sugar cane that could grow here and um, so on and so forth. And they were growing the best sugar cane that they were finding. It was yeah. sweet. It was pure. It was growing tall. It was it was great. The
0: environment's perfect for it down there. It
1: was, yeah, it was looking really perfect. And in the early 1920s, of course, after World War One was finished, we had... Uh, the Roaring Twenties, the boom, the economic boom, people were building homes everywhere, building mm-hmm. lavish things to support lavish lifestyles. Right. And so this fiber was being used to create that insulation. It was being used everywhere. And wow. so they were, there was really the pressure to find more of it and have access to it. Um, so that, that product was called Celotex. And that was what they were looking to uh, continue to um grow and produce, produce so that they could have it. And so they came to Florida, checked it out and around Cluiston, which had just been um, really, taken up by, um, his name was A.C. Cluess, I believe. A.C. Cluess. He was a banker in Tampa. Mm -hmm. And he, along with some other people who wanted to invest in the area and actually create like a waterfront playground because Lake Okeechobee Mm -hmm. being there, um, they designed the city plan for it. There was um, the city planner, uh, renowned city planner John Nolan came down and designed this town. And they were thinking it was going to be a great town. So, I guess uh, around 1922, they started to actually kind of build the town up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, it wasn't until the late 20s, 1929, as a matter of fact, that they actually started building um, the sugar house, the factories mm-hmm. for the sugar cane. Um, so, that's when Southern Sugar Company actually opened its doors. Years prior to that, there had been some um, you know, like I said, testing, building, preparation. Mm-hmm. But they opened their doors in January of 1929. They built with the idea of expansion in mind. They knew that they could continue to produce more and more sugar. They were buying thousands of acres of land, and um, so that's what they they were working toward. Well, 1929 was also the beginning of the Great Depression. Yeah, the stock market crashed in October.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so they had issues because of the stock market crash. They had okay. issues because they they were having issues with the drainage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was causing some things that were seemingly uh, not able for them to overcome. The Southern sugar companies could A lot of setbacks. So they had setbacks. <clears throat> and in 1931... Um, a guy, Charles Stuart Mott, who was actually vice president of General Motors. Uh-huh. He was a great businessman, a philanthropist, um, and had a love for farming because of some of his ancestors who had come uh-huh. and settled here. So he saw potential and he there in, and he stepped in <laughs> and he bought uh, Southern Sugar Company, which mm-hmm. was big in Cluiston at the time, um, and then renamed it. He became chairman and renamed it to what we know today as the U.S. Sugar Corporation. So it was a great, like I said, great history um, mm-hmm. behind how even got started. Uh, Charles Mott had to deal with the depression, had to deal with you know other things. But by the end of the 1950s, when we had um, a Cuban revolution going on, uh-huh. uh, that caused more embargoes on the sugar from Cuba. Um, at that point in time, the facilities were ready, and it, we had the potential in florida to go ahead and produce that kind of sugar and that's when it really took off
0: yeah and i imagine because our <clears throat> consumption of sugar has increased over the years yeah. as well because we consume as americans we consume a lot more sugar now than we probably did back then yeah with sodas and food choices and whatever oh yeah i imagine that it just really took off
1: and the sugar industry um and in- florida i mean when they started building they built railroads from both Uh sides of the state so that they would have transportation and access to both coasts uh they built roads sugarland highway is one of them Mm -hmm. i mean it was built so that people could get in and out effectively transporting the sugar everywhere that needed to go in the united Mm -hmm. states um u.s sugar industry over time uh, was able then to have control of everything from planting to harvesting to processing, you know, and so they really garnered that um, potential of growing sugarcane. And Charles Mott proved that not only was it possible to grow sugarcane and the muck of the Everglades, but <laughs> that it was profitable, that it actually worked it was very well. profitable, yeah. And because of the industry growing, um, they were able to really build up. You know, Cluiston, Mm -hmm. um, they built some beautiful offices there. They built the Cluiston Inn, which is a historic um, site now. But they would bring in dignitaries Mm -hmm. um, to stay there and businessmen. And so, really, they employed many of the families Uh that lived in the town. So,
0: having grown up in Cluiston, Mm
1: -hmm. um, you weren't there in the 20s. I know that.
0: So, did you see a lot? Is the sugar company still there? Is it still really big in
1: Cluiston? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah, still functioning. The company, you know, like I said, having um, grown with the times, also diversified. They don't just do sugar anymore. Okay. They do other things. Um, and again, it still employs a large number of people in the town. The town didn't grow into the city, I think, that they had envisioned, but it's a town built around that that industry. And, you know, and then you have to say, what about those Indians? Yeah, I was
0: going so what was so, your experience of living or what could you see from history from when you lived in Clewiston or what's still there now that, that the impact?
1: Yeah, that was impacted by it. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, you know, after the Seminole Wars ended, you know, the Seminoles have a unique reputation for being the unconquered yeah. peoples. Um, they really were strong and they were determined to stay their ground and to stay yep. in their land. And after the wars were done, thousands of them had been, you know, uh, displaced to Oklahoma. Um, some had died, but you know, throughout the the fight, there were still several hundred left
0: mm-hmm. to
1: survive and to live in the Everglades. And mm-hmm. over the course of the years um, after the Seminole wars ended and you know, into the 1920s um, and 30s, they were taking care of themselves and their land that they had um, carved out for themselves in the southern part of the Everglades. But uh, I guess it was in the 1950s that they had their tribe recognized
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, United States. um you know, recognized the tribe. They gave them their lands and the big Cypress reservation, Uh uh, Seminole Indian reservation is right outside of Clewiston. Uh And so the big Cypress reservation is one of six now in the, in the state of Florida where our Seminole Indians still live and do business. Uh Um, The generation of, of Seminoles who survived that and, and survived in the swamps and hid out for, years just until they could you know get a a good fair footing um their children became this generation of forward thinkers and um they created the councils and the tribal Mm -hmm. um politics now they're in place and there were businessmen and there were um people who really saw a future for the Seminole indian tribe and so they've They've done well in business. They've created quite a great economy uh-huh. uh, for them. They've, you know, got um, Billy Swamp Safari is on the big Cypress reservation. And that was always yeah. when I was growing up, I didn't even understand the history connected to it. But now that I do, you know, it was just the place where everybody went and rode right. and their boats, you know. Um, so it's always hard for me to look back and realize I didn't recognize the history. Yeah. And the value of it when I was there. Um, but there's also in Cluiston. um, well on the reservation, there's the, um, I hate to emulate the name I always do, but the Atatiki uh, um, uh-huh. yeah. museum, right. which is on the Indian Reservation too, which is a great Seminole Indian museum. Um, <clears throat> when we're there this, um, fall, we're going to see the opportunity to participate in some festivals and things too that they have going on. But in Cluiston, there's the Cluiston Museum. It is little and it is so, um, so something you would not anticipate. Now, it's got so much history the history of the area from, um, you know, way back up until the present day. Um, from there, you can actually go on Sugarland tours too, where you can tour mm-hmm. the sugar industry and see. You know, everything from the cane fields to the processing.
0: Right. That's yeah. great. It's great. So you mentioned something about something this fall. <clears throat> so tell us about uh,
1: what are we going to be doing? So what we're doing is with our Florida History Adventures mm-hmm. bundle, we're, are, we're working out doing some FPA family road trip days. Right. And so you can't do sugars, sugar cane and Seminoles without going to Clewiston. I mean, right. that's just a road trip waiting to happen. So it's set up for August 27th. There's a, uh, I'm sorry, October. (laughs) Thank you. October 27th. Um, and we have a Facebook event that you can, um, join and figure out a way for us all to meet up. Those are interesting going, uh, we'll be going to the Billy Swamp Safari, which like I said, is on the big Cypress Indian reservation. And, Um, You can get all the details from their website about pricing and uh, things to do. And then um, the Atatiki Museum is there. And, you know, the Cluiston Museum is in Cluiston. But you can set up a great weekend if you want to go for the weekend. Or you can just join us for the day. And it will be a lot of fun. But, um, you know, so I know that's a lot of information. And our Florida Adventures, uh, Florida History Adventures Bundle, You actually can get the information uh, in writing about the history of the Seminole Indians and the history of the sugar industry. But, you know, one of the things about the bundles that is so great um, is we also have um, digital connections to videos and websites and other resources that you can Mm -hmm. see. Yeah,
0: we really tried to put a lot of... um value or things into it for them to yeah, be able to see
1: and absolutely
0: learn about. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and normally um with our podcast we try to do some books, some suggestions right. for books. But you know, again, in the Florida History Adventures bundle, plus part of the plus is you get a list of books and other resources right. that you can utilize um uh, to expand your studying potential. But it's a lot of great stuff. But Cluiston is a great little town. Uh, America's sweetest town is oh. what it's
0: called, isn't that great? I guess that's, that's yeah, cute. Sweetest. It's America's
1: sweetest town, and um, and I think you'll love it. It's kind of, yeah. it's just kind of old Florida. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. so excited about these
0: adventure bundles. We hope that people will um, be able to partake in the field trips that we might be doing throughout the Absolutely. year. Meet yeah. up with us and. Um, yeah, it's great. It'd be fun. So download that bundle if you're a member. You can download the bundle from the website. We'll also mm-hmm. link it in the show notes for right. the podcast. So make sure that you're an FPA member and um, take advantage of those bundles we'll be doing all year and look forward to future podcasts.
1: Yeah. And spotlights. More wild Florida spotlights ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, uh, for those of you that are joining us today, I hope you've gotten a lot of good information, or at least um, piqued your interest about (laughs) Cluiston. Cluiston. And um, if you are just starting homeschooling or considering homeschooling, um, remember that FPA is your source for all of your homeschooling needs in Florida. And you can check out our website at www.fpa.com for exciting opportunities and valuable resources. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram, Uh, for other great tidbits and resources that are sure to help you as you create your customized homeschool journey. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed our show and will join us next time for FPEA Connects. You can find us on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at ultimateradioshow.com. For more information about FPEA, visit us at our website, fpea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, stay connected.